Welcome to episode 64 of the Various and Sundry Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is waging war against his local internet company, John Scott Sloat. It's called Mediacom, and they're a bad company. <laughs> you heard it here first. Wow. Coming out of the gate with a hot take. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so besides your, uh, your, your, your struggles with your local internet company, mm-hmm. how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Good weekend. Basketball. Uh, smoked some pork this weekend. Of course. So that, w- that was a delight. Um, yeah. 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 But it was, it was overall good weekend. How about yourself? Yeah, I agree. Good weekend. Um, the, uh, had the opportunity to preach yesterday. Oh yeah, and that's so right. So that was uh, that was an enjoyable experience, and uh, obviously love the return of March Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'll I'll save this for my one thing I liked, but uh, had some one family member in town, and that created some some fun dynamics. So oh, yeah. okay, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, if you would like to connect with us here on the pod, you can find us on Twitter at V&SPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and give us a like or a follow, Various and Sundry Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube at Various and Sundry Podcast as well. I encourage you to go subscribe to that. And uh, we would always appreciate any kind words you might leave in a review, throw us a five-star rating. That would be much appreciated. But uh, let's get right to the basketball, the March Madness. We're recording on Monday morning, which is a little bit of a change of pace for yeah, us. 9.30 a.m. Yeah, yeah. So, New session starting here. Indeed, indeed. So the the practical implications of that are that as we record, we're halfway through the second round. Mm-hmm. So – um, we won't, you know, by the time this drops tomorrow, the second round will have been completed. We'll have all 16 of the Sweet 16 teams in place. Yep. Yep. So, John, what stood out to you from the weekend of March Madness? Well, we got to talk about Ohio State. We do. Being, being upset by uh, by Oral Roberts. Yep. Yep. Thoughts, comments, rationalizations from Doc? Uh, I have no rationalizations. Um, I'll be the judge of that. They took them lightly. Okay, and um, the uh, the interesting thing is, is like this is rare, but one of the um, the se- one of the senior guards on the team mm-hmm. publicly admitted, "Yeah, we took them too lightly." It's pretty rare you see a player come out and say, "Yeah, we thought we could just kind of roll in there and beat a fifteen seed," and we thought based on the fact that we played so well in the Big Ten tournament against tough competition that we could just roll in and beat beat this team. Do you uh, give that over to like a just sort of his personality, youthfulness? Like, like what, he was why? a senior. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't think – I won't blame – I wouldn't blame the coach on this. Uh, I think that's more of a player issue. And the reality is even though they, they played poorly, they had opportunities late in regulation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just didn't seal the deal. They also had opportunities at the end of overtime. And um, you know, it's it's easy to to blame specific plays and players, but you know, I, <laughs> you have your best post player who 
misses the front end of a one and one up two with like, you know, 20 some seconds left in regulation. Yeah. He's a normally a 75% free throw shooter. You hit those, you go up four, you're probably going to win. You're probably going to walk away a winner. Yeah. And then in overtime, you have your best guard who put up 30 plus points in a Big Ten tournament game mm-hmm. gets a wide open, uncontested look from the top of the key at the end of overtime that would have tied it. Missed it. You know, you had your opportunities. You yeah. didn't cash in. It's their own dang fault. Yeah. I will say, I feel a lot better at the fact that they beat Florida the next that, round. That, that, they, that they won so, another game. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, Oral Roberts has shown up and they're not a joke, you know. No, they're legit. I mean, because they can score. I mean, they can, they can, yeah. they got two guys that can fill it up. So, in any case, on to happier things, though. My Bobcats. Oh. My Ohio Bobcats. Yeah. <laughs> pulled off the upset. Did you pick that game? Did you pick uh, Virginia? I think I picked Virginia because okay. everybody in our bracket was going for that pick. Yeah. And I, I kind of went counter in that yeah. moment. So. Yeah. Okay. So uh, obviously we're recording this morning. They play later this afternoon or later today. I can't remember if it's afternoon or evening. But So we'll see if they can make it into the Sweet 16. Um, what do you make of the Big Ten? Um, it's been a pretty poor showing. It's been awful. You're mm-hmm. being generous. It's been awful. <laughs> um, you know – all of the talk about how great a conference they were. Like you want to be careful about overreacting to just the, you know, because seedings and matchups and all that sort of stuff. Sure, great. Bottom line is people were talking about the Big Ten like it was having one of the a historically great season in terms yeah. of its depth, and you know they were exposed. It's just bottom line. Um, the uh, teams just seemingly not prepared or not just not. Stepping up and performing when the when the pressure is on. I mean, I think you know you could say Illinois lost to a Loyola Chicago team that was probably underseeded. I don't know mm-hmm. that they should have been an eight. I've seen other things saying based on metrics they could have been a three seed. That's too high. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, you were a one seed. Yeah. Win. Yeah. Just win. Like you know, don't whine about. Well, we shouldn't have been playing. Well, you would have had to face a team like that eventually. Win. Sure. Beat them. You know. Um, so who's left from the Big Ten right now? Michigan and Iowa? Is that it? Michigan, Iowa. Rutgers M- lost last Maryland? night. Maryland? still left, yes. But th- so those three teams played a day. I did pick that Maryland Rutgers, game. <laughs> Rutgers Blew choked it. Yeah. away a win over a pretty good Houston team. Mm-hmm. Choked it away. So Yeah, they were up uh, 10 with 10 minutes to go, I think. Yeah. Yeah, just choked it away. So um, – that's disappointing to see the Big Ten perform this poorly. And uh, should we – Should we? Uh, there There was one brief uh, – well, I'll save that. Let's bracket. Um, yeah. What, what about them? <laughs> Our bracket challenge. Yeah. So um, right now we have 32 participants. Yeah, very, very pleased with that. Which was a strong showing for the yeah. pod. Um, I, I'm not doing so hot at the moment. So yes. I'm, I'm tied for 20th. I still have – all four final four teams left, though, which sure. yeah. is a good sign of hopeful things to come. Now we do have action happening today. Yep, um, you're tied for seventh. Yeah, but it's 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 fool's gold because I, my points possible are not as high as yours. So um, it's a tenuous it's a tenuous seventh, and um, I, I'm not optimistic that my. So who who was your champion? 
I can't remember if in this bracket I picked Gonzaga or Ohio State. Okay, but but one of those two. Mm-hmm. Okay, but see, this is where Oral Roberts continuing to win helps me because nobody picked Oral Roberts this far, right? Right. So nobody, as long as Oral Roberts continues to advance, no one is getting points. Just like I'm not getting any points from that piece of the bracket. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I've suddenly become a fan of Oral Roberts when it comes yeah. to uh, rooting for them. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I my goal in all of this is, is always don't finish last. Just don't finish last. And I'm going to throw a little shade at one of my sons. He's in danger of finishing last. He is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's flirting um, with it. He's he's down in like 30th. Yeah, that's uh, that's a shameful spot uh, yeah. with not many possible points to go. Yeah, yeah, he's in trouble. Um, also, one one other note on on uh, March uh, Madness: uh, decent uh, decent showing of Protestant schools um, <laughs> in the bracket this year. I, I was making note of that. I was like, oh, Grand Canyon, check. You know, yeah, uh, Liberty made it. Um, um, there, there was like there was Oral a, Roberts. Oral Roberts, yeah, that's right. There, I'm thinking there's one, one more. Oh, Abilene, uh, Abilene Christian, Christian made it. Huge upset over Texas. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, so good showing for the Protestants out there. Yeah. Normally, the Catholics are just running all over the place, <laughs> dominating things. <laughs> yeah, good to see the Protestants come through athletically. Indeed, indeed, glad, glad to see that. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the how the tournament develops with all of these upsets. Uh, you know, you do wonder. Is this the year where a team like Gonzaga, who came into the tournament undefeated, mm-hmm. that we can actually have an undefeated national champion for the first time since uh, IU did it in 1976? Potentially. I think it also clears the way for somebody like a Syracuse uh, who no, – Sy- Not Syracuse. But a, a lower-seeded team, sure, but not Syracuse. You don't think Syracuse? No. They, I thought they looked pretty good when they played. Sure. Now, that's the only game of Syracuse I've seen this year. Here's but. the challenge with Syracuse. This is why they often have success in the tournament even during the regular season when they're not as good. First of all, side note, not a Jim Beheim fan. Find him very annoying, but in any case. Okay. Um, Noted. That 2-3 zone that they play is semi-unique mm-hmm. and they play it so well that it is difficult to prepare for. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they, Syracuse always has one or two guys that just can shoot from 30 feet and are lights out three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. This year it's uh, Beheim's kid. Yeah. yeah. Did you know Beheim is 77? And as a college student. As a college age kid. Yeah. Feels like he slipped one by the goalie there. Yeah. My goodness. Anyway, the the fact that uh, here's my point: they're hard they're hard to prepare for, mm-hmm. and especially on the for the second game of a weekend. So the team had like if you if you have like four days to prepare for them, you have a great chance of beating them. So you think the Sweet Sixteen they're gonna they're gonna get bounced? Yeah, I think so. I forget okay. who they who would they. I don't know who they play, but. I I had that same thought where they're two three zone. Um, they were they were a lot of fun this weekend to watch. But they always recruit like give I'll give credit to Ben. He knows his system and he recruits very well towards it. Yes, they have the back line of guys that are six eight six nine and crazy long and athletic <laughs> that make it difficult to finish inside. And they have active guards who uh, who can test the perimeter well and and just shoot it. Really well from three, but back to my original point. I think there's a run from a from a low seed or a higher seed, however you want to talk about Agreed. that. That that could make it 
um, deep in the tournament. I agree. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to, to to see how that shakes out. I, I think you could have a very a very strange looking final four this year. Yeah, potentially. You know, you've already lost one one seed, a two seed, um, two two uh, isn't two two seeds. No, Houston. I was thinking of Houston. They hung no, on to win. Yeah. Houston's in my final four. Knock so, on wood yeah, here. You, yeah, you, you dodged a bullet there. <laughs> so, anything else from the tournament? I don't think so. It was a fun. It was a fun weekend. Yeah. Um, Though I will say, I, I'm thrown off. I'm so used to the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday rhythm. Yeah. That this Friday through Monday rhythm feels very weird. Yeah, agreed. And so I'm very, con- I was very confused yesterday. Like even though I knew um, that, uh, or actually I should say Saturday. Like Saturday, I'm like, okay, it should be round two. Like, oh no, that's right. This is still round one. Mm-hmm. And then even like there are games today, Monday, as we record this. Now, do they start the Sweet Sixteen on? Is it Saturday? I f- There's some weird. Like normally it would start on a Thursday again. Sure. But I think they're – are they keeping the Friday through Monday thing or is it – I forget I think how they they're doing it with yeah, COVID I th- stuff. I think they are so that – well, I can't remember. I think the national championship game has moved off Monday. No, I'm pretty sure that's still the same. Is it? I'm okay. pretty sure that's okay. still the then same. I'm mistaken. But um, yeah. I yeah. think the, the final four weekend is still the Saturday, Monday. But one thing we haven't talked about is uh, perhaps the lowest scoring game in NCAA tournament history. Oregon beats VCU one nothing. Oh yeah, I I uh, <laughs> I did love that. My brother, uh, my brother, who's a University of Dayton grad, is very upset uh, because VCU is blaming Dayton area hotels that they stayed in <laughs> for giving them the virus. Um, okay, and uh, yeah, so he's he's furious at uh, at uh, uh, VCU. So for were, were they in Dayton for? A conference tournament or something? I don't know. He just he just texted that to me and said, "I'm furious. They're blaming Dayton area hotels for because they'd be staying in in Indianapolis. Indianapolis, the... yeah. That's Unless it was a stop along the way or something, something like okay. that. Okay, yeah. yeah, I understand that. In any case, I mean, I, you feel awful for those kids from VCU, right? Oh I yeah. Mean, oh, absolutely. Know, the tournament's finally happening after a year off. You're excited to get into the tournament. Have a decent, you know, as a ten seed, you think we have a good shot of winning a game here, maybe two, mm-hmm. and then the day of the game. And VCU has a history of being a fun, uh, fun school to watch in the tournament. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? But that's sad for them. Um, but just take a moment to enjoy the fact that we're back. That March Madness is happening, even yeah. without the. Uh, Fuller crowds and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, the only other sports note I wanted to hit was um, LeBron James out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. And the Lakers currently also don't have Anthony Davis because of a calf issue, concerns maybe with an Achilles. Yeah. So Those tall guys have all sorts of issues. Lakers Lakers in some trouble. I think they're in the sixth, sixth seed currently. You know, depending on how long AD and LeBron are out, you know, they could slip into that danger zone of like having to win a play-in game to even get into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But you want to know what? If they're fully healthy by the playoffs or able to make the playoffs, 
they're dangerous. Yeah, even as even if they were were to be like a seventh or eighth seed, they they could they could obviously make a run there. But uh, any quick updates on your Mets spring training? Um, a lot of contract extension talk right now. Um, it sounds like the owner might be shelling out uh, five hundred million uh, for a couple players. Pocket change. Well, when you're when you're worth, I think like a hundred billion or something like that. Yeah, pocket change. <laughs> pocket change, indeed, indeed. So, um, let's let's move on to our main topic here. I think we're I think we've exhausted the March. Yeah, I think the we've, March madness. We've squeezed here. everything out of that we can. Yeah, yeah. So, um, our topic for today is male friendship, and John, why are we talking about this? Well, I think this is one of those evergreen topics that's just so fascinating mm-hmm. uh, that, I, that I think we'll come back to it again and again. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure if we haven't talked about it on the pod, you and I have certainly talked about it before. Um, but I believe you sent me an article from uh, Mere Orthodoxy. Is that the website? Yes. Um, talking about uh, uh, male friendships and why men have no friends and specifically responding to a another article on Harper's Bazaar. Is That's that correct. It? Yep. Um, where this uh, author Hamlet, is that her name? Um, uh, yes. Uh, what is – see, I have her name. Melania? M- Melanie. Melanie. Melanie Hamlet, yeah. Uh, is responding to uh, – is saying it comes out and says men uh, don't see therapists. They don't um, – they aren't in touch with their emotions. Therefore, they – Dump all this on their wives, and this is girlfriends, this is, significant other. Yeah, this yeah. Is, this is hurting women. Yeah, basically. Yep, and ultimately blaming it, sort of throwing it all under the label of toxic masculinity. Yeah, and what we can we'll unpack more of this as we go. So that's the original article in Harper's Bazaar, and just to be clear, obviously written from a entirely secular perspective. Sure. And so uh, Ryan McCormick. On the uh, on the website, Mere Orthodoxy responded to this article, uh, and his response was entitled Third Places and the Horizons of Male Friendship." And so, uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to talk about both of these articles and try to sort out uh, our own thoughts on this. Um, I think that let's actually dive in maybe first to Hamlet's article, the original okay. article that prompted the response. Okay. So, um, yeah, you gave a, a, a brief summary there, but but I think it's good to kind of walk through maybe a little bit more detail to set the stage. We will have links, obviously, for these articles that you can follow. A content advisory, though, on the Harper's Bazaar article, there is some uh, salty language, um, some R-rated language in that article. So just a heads up. A um, little trigger warning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because we believe in trigger warnings. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it starts off really st- focusing on the fact that men won't go to therapists or seek therapy. And so they rely on the women in their lives to carry the emotional burdens mm-hmm. that they experience, right? So uh, – and the uh, – Hamlet goes on to argue that – Men have been taught that emotional vulnerability is weakness and so they avoid it and that's linked to a larger concept of toxic masculinity. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. 
and she also contends that men don't put effort into male friendships once they're married or in a sort of long-term relationship kind yeah. of thing. And I think that's probably her most interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. We can circle back to that. Um, I think that uh, you know. Well, I'll just continue. We'll, we'll finish the summary here. Men think therapy is a form of weakness, and then she has this quote here, um, which uh, I think is I think is actually um, true to some degree. In our culture, men have always found ways to be near each other, but it's never been centered around feelings. I think that's true. I think that is true. Yeah. And that ultimately the problem is toxic masculinity, this sort of version of masculinity that is um, presented as um, aggressive and uh, – Driven by anger mostly. Yeah. Yeah. And and also that uh, refuses to admit any weaknesses, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So that's how she kind of summarizes that. So let's start there. Okay. What are some some thoughts that that come to your mind as as you have kind of read that and reflected on? Again, this is from a completely secular perspective here. So, yeah, um, I I don't think she's totally wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I I think as we were doing show prep and we were talking about the article, I don't like explainers that are here's this one thing that explains all the issues that surround it. Sure. Um, I think this is probably one of the things that we could we could zero in on. I think lumping all men as uh, men are taught that uh, emotions are bad, which is one of the one of the points she makes in the article. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. You know, um, we we've we've grown up with you know. Uh, I, I think a number of my I think of a number of my students. I think of the number of males that I have that go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the, the other thing that I that I have a th- that I have, I think, a, a small problem with that is that she has a through line of what is the solution, uh, and this, the only solution she presents, as far as I can tell, is therapy. Yes, um, and I have an issue with that. Like, I don't think that's the only solution. Um, I think I think it's necessary for some people. I, I don't think it's necessary for everybody. Uh, I think there are probably maybe seasons of it for some, and sometimes constant for others. So mm-hmm. I, I don't like the the. There's this one issue that that centers around all of our problems, and then there's this one solution mm-hmm. um, that I'm going to present here. Um, yeah. And maybe you know, you know, to be fair to her, maybe um, maybe given more time and space and unlimited word count and more research and more money, she would uh, uh, fill this out a little bit more. But dealing with what I have in front of me here, th- those those are my two issues. Even though I can say like, yeah, I think that. Could help, or mm-hmm. that's certainly an issue. Like, sure. so, yeah. How is that? Is that a fair assessment on uh, on my end? I think so. I mean, the she's. I think she's clearly all in on the therapy piece. Even offering the like, well, some people won't go to a therapist because it's expensive. So, men are starting to form their own sort of small support groups that essentially function like a therapy session where men get together and talk about their feelings and struggles and sure. and that sort of thing. So I do think she's all in on the therapy piece, whether it's professional or um, informal mm-hmm. is – I don't think she cares necessarily that much. 
But yeah. uh, so I do think that, you know, she's definitely all in on that. And I would agree that uh, I, I think that that is something that is a uh, – she's presenting in one sense a one-size-fits-all solution to a much more complex issue. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you on that. I I also – her use of the expression toxic masculinity without defining that is something that I, I want to give some pushback on because my suspicion is she would define certain aspects of what I think is a legitimate biblical picture of manhood as toxic. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be careful about just embracing her sweeping you know, use of a term toxic masculinity that uh, I think is unhelpful. Yeah. Which is not to say that there aren't obvious versions of masculinity that are toxic well, or toxic men. <laughs> and, and one of the men she describes in here where you know this guy's living at his girlfriend's house while she's working on a PhD and just gets sort of moody and silent anytime he has a problem and lashes out and passive aggressive. I go, yeah, that's pretty unhelpful and prob- probably a accurate description of a toxic individual. Right, um, a toxic man, but right, yeah, I, but I, in some, yeah, but in some discussions of toxic masculinity, sure, something that is, I think, a biblical picture of even any version of sort of male leadership within the home is instantly dismissed as well. That's toxic masculinity right there. So, yeah, yeah. I just it, think it's helpful to. It's too broad a term that goes undefined, um, and we need we need some people to drill down on it so we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yes, you know me. I'm I'm always harping on what do you mean by that? Yes. Let's define that term. <laughs> yes. Not to get too far off track here, but the the more I observe cultural discussions and political discussions, the more I just want to say, can we please stop and define terms? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? How are you using that? That if we could just get to that point, that can often clar- clarify at least where the actual disagreements are. Mm-hmm. So in any case, um, let's circle back to the uh, – so one of the points you highlighted that men don't put effort into male friendships once they're married. You think that's true? Sometimes. I'm not just speaking so, from your own personal experience. Yeah. You, you've been married <laughs> not even a year at this point. Yeah. But, um, I, I, th- I think – I think at some point it is true. Um, I think McCormick in his article said it well where he goes, my goodness, I work 60 hours a week and the energy I have left over I spend on my family. You know, right. I think that's a fair assessment of where lots of uh, lots of men are at, right? They're, yep. they're, they're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and then, and then coming home and the remaining energy they have is spent on family or, uh, or um, on, on – for – you and I on on teaching or, or church activities, and uh, there's not as much time for just that natural friendship to grow. If, yeah, if that, yeah. So, so I do think there is an element of that that is that rings true for me. Yeah, and I think it, it isn't even just limited to marriage. I would say. I mean, we've all seen this dynamic on on our college campus here, and, and I saw it when I was a college student. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who. A guy who spends a, t- a ton of time with his roommates, his hallmates, his buddies. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then he starts dating a girl. And suddenly it's – they're all in on the girl. Mm-hmm. 
They disappear. And, they fall off the face of the earth. And suddenly it's like every waking available free minute they have, they want to be with the the girl that they're dating. And so I think that you know, it's not limited to marriage. I think it's just the the reality of some guys when they start dating or eventually even marry a woman um, just sort of go all in on that and that is I think unhealthy mm-hmm. especially on the earlier stages of a dating relationship absolutely yeah that's that's really unhealthy but um, yeah and and then I think you make the fair point of when when you're married obviously that's a that's a lifelong covenant before God. Mm-hmm. So of course that should be your priority. Yeah, yes. <laughs> a thousand percent yeah. yes. The effort needs to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you know as you said McCormick's response includes the you know like well I I have a limited amount of time and and energy and sure between work and investing in my marriage and family like that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Now I you could push back potentially of that may not be healthy long term. Yeah. But Maybe before we push back on that, let's maybe we should summarize what McCormick's response is. So you want to you want to walk us through that? Yeah, yeah. Um, he says that the problem is not toxic masculinity, um, but we've lost third spaces. We've lost um, we've lost social institutions. Uh, so whether it's being a part of uh, my goodness, I don't even know what this group does, but the, the Knights of Columbus, or you know. <laughs> sure. um, yeah, or even bowling leagues, or yeah. you know, um, my my grandfather, um, my dad tells this story. Uh, is a was a uh, volunteer firefighter on Long Island, and even after he retired, would go to the volunteer firefighters like yearly picnic, and this was like a tradition. My grandfather had all these friends there, mm-hmm. um, and my dad tells stories of being put to bed in the car. While my grandfather's throwing horseshoes <laughs> to like ten ten thirty at night because uh, yeah. he was so good, and then this is you know he just found a lot of enjoyment mm-hmm. and, and fun uh, yeah. in that, and so uh, that's that's one of his issues. That's one of his points is, and I think it's a fair point that the problem isn't necessarily toxic masculinity, but it's we've lost some of these um, avenues for connection that once existed in our society that are slowly going away. Yep, and just as a side note here, obviously. COVID in the last year has intensified that reality it's sped, 100 It's sped that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so um, he goes on to talk about how men form relationships differently and forms those friendships differently. Uh, and he quotes Lewis, which Lewis is a great one in, mm-hmm. in The Four Loves, which we'll – I think we've linked in the show notes before, but we'll yeah. link again. Yeah. Um, he has a chapter on friendship that's, that's lovely. Um, and sort of Lewis's argument is that uh, friends are formed by looking at a third thing, um, by looking at something and pursuing that thing. Um, and I think one of the quotes from him is, um, one of the quotes from him is, when you find a friend, you're looking at something and you're talking about it and you go, ah, I thought I was the only one, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And so uh, so it's looking for that. Um, McCormick goes on to say that female friendships seem to center around on uh, women debriefing life and talking about life where male friendships are formed by uh, looking at something else. I think that's a key. Yep. Uh, key takeaway. I agree. Um, and uh, and less on the uh, emotional end of things. Um, and then he says, you know, there's conversations about politics, theology, 
and, a, and a host of other uh, uh, top major league baseball, you know, mm-hmm. a, a host of other topics as well. Yeah, and you see that. I mean, I think um, th- that rings true in my own experience. I think in terms of the kind of friendships that that are deeper tend to have started with some sort of common experience or common interest. And then out of that context that you end up going deeper into what's going on in your life, struggles, mm-hmm. you know, all those sorts of things. So I think that uh, I think there's 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 generally truth in that, that distinction between female friendships and male friendships, though obviously we want to be careful about painting with too broad a brush. But. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, I think I really think his article rings true, but I think uh, one of the things I think of that I really enjoy doing to connect with others is golf, you know, mm-hmm. uh, getting out on the golf course with um, uh, a friend or two and just turning off the phone and just enjoying a, a nice uh, two-hour round or, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a way to connect. Yeah. So there, there's certainly more we could talk about there, but um, we should probably move towards some key takeaways. Yeah. You know, as we as we reflect on on these two articles, uh, what are some what are some key takeaways that we can can focus on, uh, sort of sorting out what is best from these two articles and moving forward? Yeah, um, I think, um, and just highlighting this, there's a big difference between men and women and and how they do this. Yep, uh, if that's a fair statement to make. In 2021, um, and then and then I'd say w- w- one thing that I think will f- will cause male friendships to fail is if it's overly programmatic. Agreed. Is, is that fair? That that if it's like, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to chat for you know two and a half hours about X, Y, and Z. You know, that's not a recipe for men to really connect. It needs to be, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to build something or go for a hike or you know mm-hmm. do do these things. Um, where natural friendship can be fostered and grow yep. um, needs to take place. Yeah, I agree. I think in some ways uh, you need to be careful about trying to force that in in in, in male contexts, right? Sure. Um, but I also think on the flip side that men probably need to be more intentional about Putting themselves in those contexts yes. where those relationships will develop somewhat naturally. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's thinking about, well, what are my interests? And, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's uh, music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, is there some context where I can get myself around other guys that share my interest in jazz music or something? Or – you know, can I get myself around other guys who are into golf or whatever it's like? I, I think it tends to be easier on the sports end of things because there are, you know, bracketing out COVID stuff. Sure. There, there tend to be more obvious and abundant opportunities in the sports realm to be like, hey, I'm going to go play in a basketball league at the Y or I'm going to go get into this golf, you know, this golf club. And, and and do that kind of thing. I, I think sports is one obvious and tends to be easier to get in. But if you're not a sports guy, I think it could be a little more challenging at points. Yeah, absolutely. But there are societies and groups that meet mm-hmm. for, I mean, goodness, just about anything. And 
And here's a place too where I feel like we need to think about how does the church address this? How how do we get at this within the church, right? Because, you know, we want – we don't just want to mimic the world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I I do think that there can be a place for events and things like this. But, um, you know, I I also think from my perspective, there's just just this balance between creating contexts Mm -hmm. and not forcing things. But at the same time, men probably need to be a little bit more intentional about asking friends questions that are a little bit more – that go beyond the surface of, hey, did you see the game last night? Sure. Wasn't that an amazing finish kind of stuff? Yeah. You know, And um, as within the church, I think, with among guys, being more intentional about asking questions of, hey, how are things going with, 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 with work? How are things going with your wife? Anything specifically I can pray for you mm-hmm. can often be a, a sort of opening of the door of, well, actually, now that you mention it, I'm really concerned about this situation or about this dynamic going on. So I think – does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I think it's a both and. Um, I, my impression is um, women respond really well to the programmatic side uh, of that where, where you could – Bullet pointed out and have discussion questions, and it's just going to be a great time. Where I where I don't think men will, and I think that's a challenge for the church to sort of both press on men to do that, but let those things foster organically. Agreed. Though I, I will push back just slightly on the on the women piece. I think there's a generational dynamic. Interesting. Um, the, I, I, my wife has experienced this. I think in terms of she feels like she's kind of in between generations where. Those who are women who are older than her are much more on the programmatic end. Hmm. Like let's create programs and structures and, and very stru- you know like very intentional like big program kind of stuff. And that women who are younger than her are much more like let's just focus focus on the organic and not really do as much on the programmatic end. Hmm. Let's just kind of do life together. So yeah, that's interesting. In any case, uh, lots that we could continue talking on and. Uh, We'll throw the links up on the on the show notes for the articles as well as the C.S. Lewis book. Yep, and uh, that would be a good place to, to to continue looking into this. And given our our interest in this topic, I'm sure we'll eventually circle back to. It. I know we've done an episode on friendship before. Yeah, but um, this is something that we keep our eye on, and, and if we come across interesting articles like this, we might uh, circle back to it. So, yeah. In any case. This is episode 64, so we need to move on to our athlete. Some great 64s in history, let me tell you. <laughs> if by uh, – yeah, well, OK, yeah, maybe not so much. <laughs> I mean we've basically scrounged up – Every 64 from every professional sporting two, – <laughs> Two guards, NFL guards from the, the way back, right? Yep. So we've got Packer great Jerry Kramer played in all those great Packers teams with Bart Starr and the early first two Super Bowls. But before that, they were winning NFL championships. Probably the, in the Ice Bowl. Yeah, I Vince imagine. Lombardi, you know, that that whole crowd. He, he played guard for the Packers from 58 to 68. So he might have been maybe just for the first Super Bowl then. I'm mm-hmm. not sure when that started. But – and then uh, the other professional athlete, Randall McDaniel, 
I don't know if you remember him. I don't. He was a guard for the Vikings, Hall of Famer, played from uh, 88 to 2001. And then here was an interesting just side note fact discovered in show prep research. As of 2019, no player in the NBA has ever worn the number 64. The un, you know kind of you know, the un the unnamed player yeah 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 okay <laughs> and then for Ohio State uh, Jim Lachey was a guard in the early eighties nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty four hmm. uh, terrific player and eventually became uh, a sort of radio broadcaster TV figure in the Columbus area broad, uh, participates in the broadcasts of Ohio State oh, football so yeah uh, thoughts. Um, I'm not sure I have strong feelings. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, historically speaking, Jerry Kramer is probably going to be the most significant out of those two. Okay. That's so going to go Jerry Kramer? That sounds good to me. Okay. Let's do it, Jerry Kramer. All right. One thing you liked. Uh, so I've been doing prep. I start uh, church history today, actually, 1 o'clock, um, Monday. Um, and uh, and so I've been trying to read more primary sources as I prep. Uh and I read through uh, the letter of Polycarp to the Philippians. It was fantastic. Yeah, um, it is worth. And it's it's so old that it's just public domain, so it's free on the sure. internet. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to have my students read it in class because I think it's just that good. Um, so I would encourage all of you go out and read uh, the letter uh, Polycarp wrote to the Philippians. Yeah, that's just a great. There seems to be this gap. Between like, oh, the close of the New Testament and then it's like, oh, let's talk about guys like Origen and Augustine. And you kind of jump over this like a hundred and, and mm-hmm. uh, hundred plus year period, really most of the second century where it's just like we almost kind of pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah. And yeah. when you read some of those documents like Polycarp's letter to the Philippians, when you read the Didache – yeah, or, we're reading that in class as well. Or yeah. the letters of Ignatius mm-hmm. to the to the churches as he's you know heading around on his way to Rome to die. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it just gives a fascinating snapshot into what life was like as a Christian. Oh yeah. So, my one thing I liked this week was uh, having my nephew Daniel come up. He goes to Georgia Tech, so he flew up. Got a ticket for uh, my son Jake, and they went to the basketball game that Georgia Tech played in Hinkle Fieldhouse in oh, the first nice. round of the NCAA tournament. So first time either of them had been to Hinkle. Great environment, they said. Uh, historic building. I mean, just a, a oh, great, yeah. great facility. And so after that, they walked around uh, downtown Indianapolis, went to the NCAA headquarters where you can see the kind of the uh, – the, the central place for, for what they're doing. There are massive brackets up on display. Oh, cool. So just a lot of fun for them and uh, good to have him around uh, this weekend. So just it's it's fun when your kids get to have those kinds of experiences. Now, I assume he's a Georgia Tech engineer? Biomedical engineering. Okay. Okay. That seems to be all Georgia Tech has. So. He's, he's quite smart. Okay. Well, I think – we have covered our various and sundry topics, John. We've talked March Madness. We have talked about male friendship. We have talked about, or at least mentioned by name, several athletes wearing number 64. Several, a few. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Loosely defined. We've talked about 
our good friend Polycarp from the second century. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about uh, family in town. So I think by definition, it's time for us to say mission accomplished. Absolutely. And so until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.